0: And welcome inside to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Today we have the physical therapist and ass- assistant athletic trainer for the Tennessee Titans. We have Michael Mika. Michael, welcome in. Thanks so much, Chase. Pleasure to be on. All right, Michael. I did a little bit of research on, on you before you came in, but uh, kind of give us a little bit of background about who you are, um, where you came from, and kind of a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, well, I, if you got a year, I can tell you my story because it's quite um, it's quite long and extensive with a lot of uh, torturous turns. But um, uh, I made it here now. So I guess that's a good thing. But um, starting from the beginning, um, I went to undergraduate school as exercise physiology major um, at John Carroll University, which is a small Division three um, school in Cleveland, Ohio. I played uh, football there. Along with uh, obviously going to class, um, always kind of knew I wanted to be around football. Um, always kind of knew I, I I liked the medical side of things. You know, everyone goes into into college wanting to be either a professional football player or a doctor. Um, I fell into that category, and I wanted to be both. Um, you know, after playing four years or five years of football, I realized that I probably wasn't good enough to make it to the NFL, and I realized I probably wasn't smart enough to be, go to medical school. So. I kind of had to curve it a little bit. Um, and you know, like the exercise port, like part of things and, um, rehab and all that stuff really interests me. So my, my kind of my next goal was to still get the NFL, but in a different capacity. And that's what kind of led me to physical therapy. Um, right after, um, right after, uh, undergraduate, I went, Kind of took a year off to get some prerequisites figured out because um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do after um, undergrad. So I took the prereqs to get into to PT school. Uh, got into P- PT school in 2014 uh, at D'Uvo College, which is a small um, college in, well, actually D'Uvo University now, but um, small university in, in uh, Buffalo, uh, New York, where I did um, got my physical ther- doctorate in physical therapy. Uh, while I was there, I also did a um, – they call it a uh, New York State Board Certificate in Manual Therapy. Um, so I kind of did more coursework on that route because I had a lot of interest in that. Um, you know, doing the whole PT thing uh, in, in school, I really knew that the orthopedic side was really inter- interested in me and obviously the sports side. Um, so kind of like from day one of, of PT school um, – Sports residency, is something that I kind of always shot for, so I kind of buckled down, um, you know, did a lot of studying to kind of get the uh, the grades that I needed to get into uh, a PT residency, a sports residency, and then when I uh, graduated from duville I went right into uh, sports physical therapy residency um, at the University of Pittsburgh uh, through UPMC. Um, that was probably where like everything kind of changed for me as far as my clinical backgrounds. I kind of changed my whole identity um, because I learned so much there. And then um, during that time, one of the kind of the portions or or prerequisites of the um, residency was to do a rotation, if you will, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was there for the um, 2017 off season and then the 2018 19 season with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then kind of right from the first game I I knew professional football is where I wanted to be and that was kind of like my laser focus from that point on Um, and then you know after the season was over um, after the season was over they asked me to stay on to kind of do the the offseason stuff till the next resident came in and um, then I got an opportunity with what was once the, uh, Alliance of American football, which was kind of like a, a spring league or a branch off league. Um similar to like the XFL or USFL. I just kind of went on, um, a lot of hype around it. Um, and I, I was, I was offered So I kind of left the Steelers and I was offered the, um, head physical therapist rehab coordinator position at the Orlando Apollo's team. Um, everything was going great there. And then, uh, one day during practice, I was stretching a guy. Coach called in uh, team huddle and told us the league shut down. So it was a uh, it was a big leap of faith for me, and it was actually a great learning experience for me. And we can get get into that later. But um, so kind of after that, uh, I kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit because the the league ended in in May. Well, at the beginning of May, beginning of the middle of May, and you know at that time, you know. It, you, you send out your feelers to NFL teams, but at that point, everything's pretty much solidified as far as staffs go. And, um, so I kind of had to like sit on the bleachers for, for a season and, um, and just kind of wait it out a little bit. So, um, you know, that's kind of going into 2020, right? So May hits, I'm waiting for the season to start, obviously, cause I knew I had to kind of sit on, on the bench a little bit. Um, And then COVID hits and everyone knows what COVID did to the whole world. And so the following season, I tried applying again and pretty much that, that season when that went like right after the season hit, that's when COVID really ramped up and the NFL went on, went on a huge, huge, pretty much hiring pause. Um, So I kind (laughs) of, I kind of, again, had to kind of face reality a little bit saying that maybe wasn't going to be another year um, off from the NFL. And, I got like a uh, clinic job at a sports med clinic and I just got hired um, at September that year. So I was the last one hired when COVID hit. So obviously COVID crushed all the businesses around our area and all over the world. So they had to lay off the last 10 people that they hired. Obviously I was the last one they hired. So I got, I got hit with the, uh, the, the old layoff for COVID. So I'm really like, down in the, in the dumps, like, what am I going to do? Like, everything is just kind of crumbling underneath me. And so, um, you know, one of the big things that I, I ran into as I was um, – kept on applying for these these PT jobs in the NFL was, you know, I always make it to the final two and then I get the result back. Hey, you guys were both great. You guys have both done fine in this job. We took the other candidate because they were in AT. I kept on hearing that almost every time. And I'm like, you know what, I just got laid off. There's nothing really going on um, in the world right now because it's pretty much shut down. Um, School right now is all virtual. Um, You know, I just got married at the time, and I was like, I'm going back to school to get my AT master's. So I kind of made the plunge and made a huge, huge risk and uh, went back to get my master's in athletic training at the University of Buffalo. Uh, While I was there, I did an internship with the UB uh, football team, which is a, obviously a, a mid-major Division One school, um, and then I was selected to get a seasonal spot um, with the Buffalo Bills, and then kind of right from the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, being a, f- a very unique intern there, being a physical therapist and athletic trainer, um, I was able to do a lot more and kind of show my skills a little bit more, and um, that really, that job along with my, my time spent at the Pittsburgh studios really opened up the opportunity of where I am now. And, um, March of this year, I got hired on to be the physical therapist and assistant athletic trainer with the Titans. The so that's my very long drawn out, um, misery story, but you know, I, got, I, I got the result I wanted at the end. And, and so that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. I think your story, if anything, you know, teaches per- perseverance after, you know, Having two jobs for, you know, two short-lived jobs that, you know, would seem pretty awesome working in sports have them pre- end pretty abruptly due to, you know, the world's worst pandemic ever. Um, so yeah. I think, if anything, what people can take from that is, you know, you know perseverance. Um, but I want to go back, you know, kind of start at each of those stops in your journey. Um, sure. So, you know, coming out of PT school, you said you wanted to do residency. We actually had um, one of the staff members for the UPMMC residency, Rick, on a couple weeks ago. Um, so what were some of the things that you learned from your residency that you feel like help prepare you for your roles in professional sports?
1: Man, I, I like if I have any advice for any PTs coming out of PT school would be to, if if you're looking to do sports is try to do a PT sports PT residency. Um, cause you, I mean, you learn a whole, you learn a whole bunch of different things, uh, when you're in PT school and, and part of their curriculum is they have to teach you, in, you know, orthopedics have to teach you cardiopulmonary, they have to teach you neuro, neurological stuff. So, um, though you have a really big interest like I did in orthopedics, like sometimes they just can't spend the time, um, on your interest because they have to do stuff to obey their accrediting body. Right. So, um, I love orthopedics. I love manual therapy. I love the sports aspect and I never thought I got enough. Um, and you know, there, I think I had a really good base going into, into, um, into residency because my my university was a very heavy manual therapy oriented uh, curriculum. So I had a very good base. But then when I went to, to residency, I think my whole identity as a clinician completely changed um, just as far as the and it's obviously different depending on where you go for residency. Um, I think Pittsburgh is one of the better residencies out there. Um, with great mentors and it all, like I said, like when you're looking at residencies, one of the big things you got to look for is, is, you know, the, the faculty within the residency, um, Pittsburgh had a really good cast of, of residency mentors and, um, th- you know, just learning from the, some of the smartest people in, in the field, uh, essentially on a daily basis. And, uh, on, in a one-on-one version of it, um, uh, of mentorship was, was, I think the most crucial thing I did in my career, um like I said, I think all this, my base of skills, you know, started from PT school. Um, but my real kind of best bang for your buck skills came from residency. And that's the kind of the stuff that I based everything I do, um, um, now, um, is from there. So, um, residency, like I said, was, was invaluable for, for my career.
0: Gotcha. Um, and so kind of, we'll go to your next stop, you know, with the Orlando Apollos, um, You know, the AAF was, you know, short-lived. I don't even know how, I probably a little over six months maybe, Um, but it was short-lived. But um, I'm sure you gained valuable experiences, you know, being a PT for, you know, a professional league. Um, So what were some of the things that you learned from the Orlando Apollos? Because you had experience, you know, working in the NFL. So what were some of the differences or some of the things that, you know, you could see similarities between, you know, like a spring league versus, you know, the real deal? Yeah, so –
1: uh, when, when obviously when I was in in residency, I was with the Steelers for a season and a half, and the Apollo like the the AAF was run very similar to the same exact way we ran um, the inner the day to day was was very similar to how the Steelers were run. The only difference was the finances weren't there. Obviously, like we didn't have anything we wanted. Um, Equipment-wise, we didn't want—we couldn't have any of the resources that we really had when I was with the Steelers. So, um, but but I think that's what made the AAF so valuable to my kind of progression of my career. Um, I tell everyone that going to the AAF was the best decision and the worst decision of my career, and I focused more on the best decision. Obviously, it was the worst because it just was short-lived and it kind of took a, a little bit of a detour of my 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 career trajectory, but. It was the best because it forced me to learn every inner working of a professional football organization. Um, So, for a couple examples, where in a normal athletic training room, we have all these resources in the NFL that money doesn't really exist, just whatever you need, you get it, right? So, um, that wasn't like that in the AAF. We were using uh, water jugs for weights, we were using Um, any, like we had, there's cinder blocks outside. We had people doing stuff with cinder blocks. We just didn't have the the equipment. So, um, one, it made you think and kind of use your resources the best of the ability and do this, this crazy critical thinking, um, to get the same output that you would get in a normal, um, athletic training room in the the pros, but you had to kind of use what you had available, um, to do it in, in that kind of setting. So, um, it really helped my critical thinking skills to help me. Uh, think about how to tone down my rehabs to kind of, to kind of get, you know, the meat and potatoes of what I needed to get done Um, because I didn't have the stuff available to do everything. So it made me figure out, okay, I need these exercises. How do I get these exercises to strengthen this? And so um, which is really valuable as, as being like a a rehab director, because you have so many guys coming in, you can't spend an hour with each person. So you have to get um, just like the most important things done. So um, kind of being able to do that not only for, for the time that you have, but also the resources. So that was a good um, a good thing to experience. Um, in addition to not only did we have the resources, we didn't have the same amount of staff um, presence that we do like in the NFL. Um, for example, we only had one strength conditioning coach. Um, in with the Bills, with the Steelers, with the Titans, we all – like the minimum that they have was three, right? So – When the strength conditioning coach was was working out the whole team, he needed another set of eyes. So he asked me to come in there and and work with the team, watch the team as they lifted um, and help them also program for certain guys that were injured. And then as we're talking about, you know, the guys that were injured and what they can do, he said, well, what do you think about doing this for the whole team? Right. So then you spitball back and forth with ideas how to do uh, sports performance programming. Right, so um, I learned that side of of the sports performance team, and then also we had all these, you know, it was a new league, so um, places that had, were sending us GPS units to try out and all this different sports science stuff to try out, and no one had any idea how to use it. So I had to sit down, and read these manuals, to figure out how to use it, and also be our team sports scientist for for however long we had this this equipment. So, um, and then um, it also taught me how to talk to people and communicate better, right? So. There was there there was not too many people in the chain of command there, right? Usually, like in the NFL, like if I tell someone, there's like three or four people that it has to go through before it gets to the GM or the coach, right? So it's kind of just me and and the head athletic trainer in this spot because there's no one else. So I'm talking to GMs about um, you know different moves that they should make depending on on injuries and and how things look like if they pan out or if they can make it through the season. So. I'm um, talking to coaches on, on you know, timelines and all that kind of stuff, on which is stuff I've never done before, but kind of got thrown into the fire and I had to learn it. And um, kind of the mixture of all that stuff, uh, I think, prepared me so much, um, even though it was short lived. But um, being able to do that stuff and, and it kind of a, a a low fidelity environment, if you will, was was good.
0: So um, it, it was a great experience in, in,
1: in that sense.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, You know, hearing such a unique situation, unique, unique circumstances, you know, kind of forced you to grow, whether you liked it or not. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, you kind of take that over now. Cause it's like those communication skills that you wouldn't have in a normal, you know, in the NFL, you know, cause you were kind of forced to now you kind of have, it's like, at least if, if it came down to it, I know I could do it, you know, in a large organization. So that's really cool to hear. Um, And so after, you know, you went through, uh, the league sh- AAF shut down. And then after the, you know, kind of had the clinic job kind of not work out. Um, was it, I guess, scary or uh, I, yeah, scary to go back to school after being a practicing clinician and then kind of not starting at the bottom, but be, kind of being a student again.
1: Oh my God. I mean, scary is an understatement, man. It, there was so many factors I had to go into that, into that decision. Um at the time, I just I just got engaged, um, like I said earlier, and you had I had to give up a job, right? And then you're also going back to school and taking on more student loan debt. And not to mention, I just went through all the school. I got to go for another two years. like, And all of that kind of put together was like, it was a very hard decision. You know, my, my current wife now and I spent many hours talking about if it was the right decision. And then, you know, it kind of... I swear it was like you know sometimes you kind of just the universe gives you signs and you know things kept on shutting down and then i lost my job and then every door that i could possibly use to get out of going to at AT school closed so the only avenue i had really that made sense at the time to get to my end goal was at school um but it wasn't an easy decision i like i literally tried to find ways to say no i shouldn't do it but then um you know, I kept on, I kept not land on the same decision to go back. And it, it for sure wasn't, it wasn't easy, but um, I, you know, where
0: I am now, I think it was probably the best decision I made for my career. Gotcha. Um, and so your time at university of Buffalo. Um, so obviously you, have you had experience in the call in pros, but now you're kind of working with a collegiate team. So what are some differences that you noticed when you're treating, you know, college athletes versus NFL athletes?
1: So, there's obviously, you know, it's a mid it was a mid major uh conference, mid major school. Um so you don't have the greatest you don't have the sheer numbers of, you know, elite athletes as you would in like um a, a you know, a power five division one school or the NFL, right? So you still have the same amount of like kind of athletes, they're just not as plentiful um in that in that level. But um you know, I think the hardest thing for me wasn't so much the athletes because, um, you know, the, the guys you're, you're you're treating are still athletic, maybe not elite as elite as they come, but they're still athletic and they still want to get back on the field. Right. So that's kind of the same. But the difference is, is that there's really no breaks in in the um, college football schedule. Right. As far as the offseason to this to the season, like the guys are always there and um when guys are bored and they have and they're in between classes they have nothing else to do they come to the training room so like the things that you needed to get done in between when the guys weren't there you really couldn't because guys are literally in there all the time and um you got to fit guys in um in between classes if they need to get rehab and that was tough And then if, if one guy's lacking on his, on his schoolwork, he has to go to a tutor when he was originally scheduled to do, um, you know, his rehab. So kind of the scheduling part and, and the logistics of a, of a college um, athletic training room is tough, especially in like a a mid-major school. And um, that was probably the biggest difference that I, that I saw because, you know, in the NFL, your livelihood is football and, college it's it's not so um, there's different priorities there that I think which which are good great priorities I think that obviously should should come first, but it's definitely harder to manage on, on our side of the spectrum.
0: yeah, absolutely I think it's you know easy to forget that they're supposed to be student athletes and you know and they got lives and other things to deal with on top of that and so uh, sure. you know that's an, it's such an interesting point that you know I'll, probably a lot of people including me didn't think of um, and so you know kind of wrapping up not wrapping up your journey, but you've gone through all these different stops at professional college, going back to school. Um, So you obviously love sports PT. So why is it so fulfilling to you? Why, why is it that you were able to, you know, change so many jobs and go through residency and go back to school? What, you know, kind of what drives you and what makes you love sports PT so much?
1: So, so I, I guess this, this answer is kind of simple, but also complicated at the same time. But, um, you know, I played football my whole life. My father was a, a college and high school football coach. Uh, my brother's in, in also uh, in football. And that's kind of like been my backbone my entire life, right? And then to finally get to the pinnacle right out of PT school and to be on a on an NFL sideline on an on a NFL Sunday, it was like the most immaculate thing for me. Like I, there, there's nothing better than being on a sideline um, for an NFL football game. And seeing like the people you grew up watching on a daily basis throw the ball around, it, it's, it's it's awesome, right? Um, but that's kind of just the emotional side of it. As far as a clinician goes um, and, and the way sports PT goes, um, the athletes you see on a daily basis are obviously the, the most athletic and elite athletes in the world, right? Um, you can't really treat them as you would treat a um, 16-year-old athlete um in in a clinic or even a 45 year old above average athlete at his age in a clinic right there's the things that you can usually throw out um to people like you and i not saying you're not an elite athlete or anything but um these guys it's pretty easy to these guys right so um you know once you get out of sports you get this competitive nature where um you know for me it was problem solving and figuring out ways to to treat these guys and get their um get a training effect and everything i do with them and it sometimes it's not easy so you really got to kind of figure out ways to challenge these guys who are wh- where everything is pretty easy for them you got to challenge them in a way so that you can come up to and, and reach the same goal um that you're trying to get um it's just a lot harder to do that so um you kind of got to reach in your bag and, and and every case turns into more or less a a scavenger hunt or a, you know, uh, you're kind of like a detective trying to figure out a, try to figure out a, like a, a murder or something, right? Regular, there, There's, there's different avenues you have to go to, to get the end goal. And sometimes, uh, more, more times than not, the things you throw at these guys, um, are not as effective, uh, initially until you find different ways to kind of throw different things at them. So, um, the, the challenge that, Treating these guys is what makes sports PT so appealing to me because it's something different every day and something challenging every day, and it's kind of like puts me in a space where I compete against myself to to get the guy safely on the field as quick as I can in the most efficient way possible. And for some people, um, you can be efficient with getting a guy back from a knee replacement, but he's not going to perform and, and trying to get a touch to score a touchdown the next Sunday, right? Um, these guys are so. You, seeing the challenging work that you did in the clinic throughout the week to see it on perform on Sundays, you get that, um, immediate kind of feedback from what you did. And that's kind of what, um, sports PT is all about, which is, and that's why I love it so much.
0: Gotcha. So I have a comment and a question based on what you just said. My comment sure. is, is that I have no offense taken. I am not an elite athlete. I fight really hard <laughs> to be just an average athlete. Um, and then kind of my question based off of that is, uh, you know, when you go on Instagram, you see all these kind of things that these amazing athletes do, um, and they're doing it because they're amazing athletes. Um, so how do you kind of continue to challenge them while making sure it's like it makes sense? It's somewhat evidence-based because, like you said, these people are, you know, like the 1% of um, athletes on the, in the world. So how do you kind of make sure that you're kind of sticking to your guns that, like, this is makes sense from a, a performance and a rehab, um, uh, like, I guess – viewpoint but also making sure that we're not just doing things to you know look cool and you know challenge them just because it's hard to make it hard
1: right so I'm kind of going to answer this question going on the other opposite end of the spectrum so uh, these elite athletes NFL football players um, the reason why they're there is because they can use their bodies in ways most people can't right so you tend to see like the fundamentals of, of PT Um, they have, they struggle with the most, right? Breaking down each movement and doing the most basic movements of of what you're trying to do, whatever that might be, um, they struggle with the most, right? And the reason for that is because these athletes are master, master compensators. They can compensate themselves out of anything, which is why they are so agile and they can, you know, get out of tight windows and explode off it because they use their muscles in so many different ways that normal people can't do it, right? So these things that you do, that you see on Instagram, a lot of it is for show, obviously. Um, but I, I think one of the, and that's kind of a gripe that you'll kind of hear in the, in the sports PT world with all these people who try to do, you know, stand on a, on a versatile while catching something and hitting the top of your head. Right. That's just kind of things that you usually see on Instagram, but um, not really functional. Now it, it stimulates a lot of the brain and all that kind of stuff where they go into the science for it. But um I think one of the biggest and most challenging thing to do with a professional athlete is the basics, right? If you just have someone do a single leg squat without getting a valgus in their knee is, is very tough for, for a lot of athletes because they don't know how to recruit their glutes in certain times. So working on that and perfecting um, the, the quote-unquote basics is, is something that I think is, is huge for the profession. And I don't think you, you see that on like Instagram or not because it's boring, right? So um, and that's where, like I, I was kind of saying before, that's where like the, the challenge comes in um, as, a, as a sports physical therapist, because you want them to reinforce and strengthen and improve the basics like knee va- preventing dynamic knee valgus. Right. You want to try to prevent that in a way that's also challenging and fulfilling for the athlete. So you have to kind of kind of use your, your, your mind and, and kind of your, your tools that you got in your toolbox to make, um, certain functional exercise incorporate that while not getting too advanced where they're kind of using their other muscles to compensate away from it. Um, but kind of focusing on that, that exact same issue that we're trying to correct.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, a good answer. Um, because it's like you said, it's a gripe amongst, you know, including me, you know, I see this stuff and I'm like, what is that actually accomplishing? Um, so I think kind of you kind of boxing it in that, that, uh, perspective is actually really helpful. Um, So kind of a uh, non-clinical question, but, you know, kind of relevant to, you know, as you're ramping up into training camp starting this Saturday, um, how do you kind of maintain a work-life balance? You know, everyone that we talk to that's in the professional or college sports world, you know, kind of talks about how their days are jam-packed from, you know, 5 a.m. until they can get some sleep. Um, So kind of how do you maintain that work-life balance as best you can?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, when people ask me... Try to get advice on you know going into the profession. That's the number one thing to ask me, and it, it's the simple answer to that is is difficult. It's not easy. You um, you you're, you obviously want to put everything you have into your job because there's only so many. There's 32 of these jobs in the NFL in the world, really, and you want to do your best so you stay there, right? And then you also have your fa- your your family life and and the stuff at home. So um, it's difficult to do that for sure. But I think that um finding someone like my wife who has kind of always pushed me in that direction to kind of get you know live out the dream and um having someone who understands by your side um is helpful i mean obviously i can't really speak to the whole kids thing yet because i don't have that but i'm sure that makes the situations more difficult um but having someone in your corner on the other side of on the other side of the spectrum outside of work is is huge right um and I, I think the and obviously not everyone can be in this situation, but everyone goes on an interview to get these jobs. Um, obviously, if it's if it's the only one that you get, you got to take it. However, if you get a couple um, options, finding the um, the place that is the best fit for you with the best boss, if you will, um, our head athletic trainer at the Tennessee Titans, Todd Dorselli, is. One of the best bosses I've ever been around. Um, He knows that when you're in, in the office, it's time to work. And you, when you're in there, you better work your ass off. Um, And he, and he's a big proponent of do what you got to do while you're here. Um, At the same token, he's also, um, he understands the the family life. So he is one who encourages people to get their work done, do what you need to do quickly so you can go home and see your family. Um, And, and not every boss is like that. He's, he's one in a million for sure. Um, so having someone like him and, you know, the rest of the staff at like the Titans, if you will, kind of have the same mindset helps to, um, you know, to push you to be better in that aspect too. Um, you know, now we're, we're in this kind of period right before camp starts where we get out a little bit earlier. Um, and you know, every, each person as they leave said, Hey, you should think about getting out of here because in next week we're going to be here forever go see your family. So, um, having get, surround yourself with good people who are going to support you, not only at work, but also outside of work is, is something to really look for. Um, and I'm so happy that I found it here with the Titans.
0: Gotcha. Um, so y- your boss sounds like a good, you know, sports clinician, um, also, also someone that just cares about you as a person. Um, so you've probably been, you've been through multiple different stops and so you've seen good sports PTs. Um, all along your career. So what's something or some characteristics of a good sports PT to you? PT to you.
1: Yeah, and this was actually pretty simple, um, and I get asked this a lot too. So um, a good sports PT or physical therapist in general is someone who is always willing to learn. Um, I got good at where I am because I hung around a lot of smart people who are a lot smarter than I I was – and I just sat there and watched them work. Um, and I took information from wherever I got it. I don't care if it was a student that I had. I don't care if it was an AT. I don't care if it was a sports scientist that was an intern at the time or just coming to, to look at our facility. If I, I, Everyone that I, that I talk to and kind of talk shop to in a clinical way, um, I try to at least take one thing that I learned from them and put it into my own clinical um, expertise, if you will. Um, I thinking being, you know, very open minded um, as a sports physical therapist is is huge, right? Because you know, a lot of times people get into this um, this cycle where they want to be the most innovative, they want to have the best exercises, they want to be the guy that put their name on on you know the guy who just came back for six months of an ACL and ran a thousand yards, if you will, um, but it's way, you learn way more and it's way more fulfilling. And you keep your job longer if you collaborate and learn from each other and get a bunch of people in a room, put your ideas on a table and use it to, to the best of your ability and to help better the team. Right. So um, being open to learning, being a good communicator, and being collaborative with everyone year round is what makes a good sports BT.
0: Gotcha um and so you know you said that you're talking or you guys start up training camp soon um so kind of walk us through like a day in the life of what it's like to be you you know a Tennessee Titans you know sports PT athletic trainer um I'm sure your days are going to kind of ramp up and starting this weekend uh but kind of walk us through a day in the life for you
1: yeah so um it's it's a little bit different on on at each team so Um, I can't speak too much as uh, as from the Titans since I just, you know, just kind of got here, but, um, I kind of know what it's going to look like. Um, but, um, you know, I usually come in at quarter to five in the morning, 5am to get a quick workout in because that's important too. Um, and then guys are usually, um, starting treatment around 7am and then, um, after that they, they. Treatment's usually from like 7 to 8.30ish. Then they go to meetings. And that's kind of the time where we get all of our, you know, paperwork done and planning done. Um, And then they usually go to practice, you know, taping and all that kind of stuff happens. Guys are doing their, um, putting guys through their, uh, you know, pre-practice maintenance stuff. Um, That's usually around uh, 11 o'clock. And then they go to practice from 12 to um, roughly 2. And then some days i'm out of practice um you know usually it's a good thing when i'm out of practice it means there's not a lot of guys hurt inside um and then if there are guys inside i usually stay in there and and do the rehabs because one of the big things that um is a big focus in the nfl is the guys that are injured and are not going to help us the next week should be taken care of when the guys that are going to help us are in the training room right so um, i think that's a that's a a big emphasis on, on, on what you how you should plan your day. Um, So a really good time to rehab those injured guys um, would be during practice when uh, everyone else that is going to help us the next week is out there practicing. Um, So I I think it's a good way to manage that. Um, Then after practice, the guys usually get, you know, they do the tubs, they lift, um, and then they come in for another treatment, which is about an hour. And they go back to meetings and we do Um, a a little bit of a staff meeting to kind of reconvene the day we, we meet with our strength coach to figure out who needs to do what um, the next day in in the weight room. And obviously, because there's going to be guys that are injured and things we want to prevent them from doing. Um, And then the guys will come back after meetings and um, do another little rehab session if they need it. Um, And then really after that, the guys, the guys scram um, and get out of the building because they don't want to be there just (laughs) um, any longer. So, Um, Once they get out, we got to obviously button up the day, um, get all their notes in and all that kind of stuff. And usually we're um, on an off-season day. It could be, you know, like an OTA day could be anywhere between 430 to 630. And then on a camp day, it's probably somewhere around, you know, anywhere from 830 to 1030. So um, it just kind of
0: depends on what the day is and how many injuries
1: we had and, and, and stuff like that.
0: Gotcha. Um, and so I know you've only been there since, you know, the beginning of this year, but um, have you had a favorite memory working with the Titans so far? Anything that stood out to you the most?
1: Oh man, with the Titans, I don't think, you know, I've had a lot of really good memories in my career, but um, you know, the Titans, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a time where, you know, I, I went through all this schooling and um Doing all this this stuff at different venues and, and different arenas, and finally, I kind of get to show my skills as a full time clinician. I think in a in an athletic training room where you know people are coming to asking for me is it was is a huge highlight. And not to mention when you know when you know like the head athletic trainer sees what you're doing and, he goes, and he comes up to you and tells you, "Wow, that that's awesome. We haven't seen that in a while." And you know, stuff kind of validate giving validity to what you've been doing and all your hard work and and um, dream chasing if you will is is kind of comes to the culmination when when that kind of, that when that stuff happens so that was probably my my favorite memory so far hopefully I can we can we can reconvene after the season i said my favorite memory is hosting up the uh, Vincent Bardi trophy so <laughs>
0: yeah i mean that sounds like you know all of the you know all the ups and downs that your career has been through uh so seeing it all your hard work pays off sounds like an awesome you know awesome achievement in itself before you know see uh regular season games in play that's pretty awesome um last question for you mike before we get you out of here uh do you have any advice for any aspiring sports pts you kind of have shared a lot of your knowledge and your experiences but any particular advice that were for someone that wants to get into a position like yours
1: yeah, and this is this is something that I that I really try to take, you know, a lot of passion in because one of the reasons why I am here today was because when I was in PT school, I had someone tell me not to get into sports because it was just too hard. And obviously I had to do a lot of perseverance to get to where I am, but it's not impossible. So, if my greatest advice if you're trying to get into professional sports or sports in general is just if you think, if you're on the borderline of thinking, well, I should I do this or do that, and you know the right, you know one way is the way they can get you to sports, you got to do it. Um, I did not want to go to AT school at all. And I did it, and it got me into where I am today, right? Um, it's, it's, it's very possible. Make as many connections as you can. Um, try to get involved as much as you can. with Even if it's just going down the street uh, to the local high school and sit on the sidelines and um, observing the athletic trainer or the physical therapist that, that's at a high school. Um, anything you can do to get around sports, put on your resume is gonna be a huge booster. So you can, you can get seen by someone. Um, like if I get your resume across my desk now, right? Um, experience is, is a huge thing, but if there's anything, if you have any question and you're teetering, well, do I wanna go back to school or do I wanna go get extra hours? It should always be yes, right? Because the more things you get exposed to, the more things you put on your resume and the more people you meet that you never know who you meet that can get you to the next step. So um you know, stay consistent, persevere and kind of make the hard decisions because usually it pays off in the end. So that would probably be gotcha. my uh greatest accomplish or greatest uh piece of advice.
0: Yeah. Um I think you're, you know, I think your story is a testament to all of that. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I personally will. And hopefully everyone else that's listening, um, you know, can take into their own practices and in, into their own lives as well. Uh, Mike, before we get you out of here, do you have anything that you would like to plug?
1: No, I have nothing that I'd like to plug other than uh, just, yeah, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, Mike, thank you for being so um, generous with your time before your season ramps up. Um, and this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge shout out to Michael Mika of the Tennessee Titans for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.